Uh, I'd like to begin with, uh, with this little uh, thought and introduction. You know, opening Christmas gifts, uh, presents are always a lot of fun, especially when children are present and you see the anticipation and the excitement in their faces, uh, the idea that they can uh, open up a gift and uh, the, the, the wrapping paper and the ribbons and the bows usually come off very, very quickly, and you can see it in their faces. Oh my, what's in this gift? Every once in a while, though, every once in a while, after they you know, remove all the wrappings and they open the gift, they ignore the gift, and they go back to the wrapping and to the box and to the ribbons and the bows. Tony and I, we've seen this in our own children. We've experienced it with our grandchildren. It's the gift, the gift gets second fiddle. And it's the, the box, the ribbing, the ribbons or the, the paper that that receives the primary attraction. Now, interesting here, the Jewish people in the Old Testament were promised the Messiah, a, a wonderful great gift. The Messiah was to come. And this Messiah, this gift, this gift came wrapped up in a long history of events. And the anticipation in the Old Testament with the Old Testament saints, the anticipation of this gift was truly high at times, very high, extremely high at times. The anticipation was there for this gift. And we have the Abraham story, and we have the Moses story, we have the law, we have the priests, we have the angels, we have the, the tabernacle, the temple, the prophets. Again, all of these Old Testament wrappings pointed to this beautiful gift, but they were essential and very important, but they were not the gift. They wrapped the gift, they enfolded the gift, they pointed to the gift, but they were not the gift. Jesus was the gift himself. And this is now where we find ourselves now in this, this text, Hebrews. It's a great temptation in the early church, especially for Jewish Christians. They, they were being pressured to focus, to play with the wrappings instead of the gift itself. And this morning we see that also with this focus on, on angels. The topic is angels this morning. And again, in the early churches, this is temptation by Jewish Christians to give angels more prominence and importance and significance than necessary than even Jesus himself. This morning we're looking at Hebrews chapter 1, 4 through 14. Jesus better than the angels. The sermon series uh, from the letter of Hebrews, we started it last week, is, is called Jesus is Greater, Better, More. It's interesting, this word better, or this cluster of words, better, greater, and more. Those words appear, these words appear some 25 times in this letter. Last week, Ryan preached on, on verses 1, 2, and 3. Jesus better than the prophets. Now, again, the prophets were necessary, very important. The prophets, of course, spoke for God, paved the way, paved the way for the Messiah. But now, in these last days, the writer says, 
Uh, He has spoken to us by his son. Again, the prophets had their place, had their place, but now the gift, the gift Jesus has come. It's time to focus on the gift, the beautiful gift, Jesus himself. I'd like to encourage you to open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter uh, 1. Hebrews chapter 1, page 1001 in the the Bibles that you find uh, around you. Uh, Hebrews 1, 4 through 14. I think just for context, I'll I'll begin with verse 1. And again, notice as we read through this, how the writer just lifts up, lifts up Jesus. Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty and high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels, God's angels, worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, lay the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? God's reading for us here this morning. I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word. Lord God, your word is life. And we thank you, Father, that through your spirit, you, 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 you work, you lead, you guide through your word today. We thank you, dear Father, for your presence. We know that you are present. We pray that, that now with your spirit being present, that you will do your work, a work that that you do. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that I can be your messenger this morning, only a messenger. Thank you, Father, that, that through your word, um, that you, our prayer is that you will be glorified and honored. Again, we, we pray, Lord, that your spirit will truly speak to us and that we all ears to hear what you would want to say to us here this morning. In your name we pray, amen. 
The question here is, as we look at chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, 14, 4 through 14, why so many verses? It is interesting, isn't it? Why so many verses for, to, to angels here in Hebrews chapter 1? Well, we have a Jewish audience. We have a Judas, Jewish, Jewish audience, excuse me, and, and they know their Old Testament. But even more importantly, as I mentioned earlier, there was a danger of angel worship here in the early church. Paul mentions this too in Colossians 2, verse 18. Interesting, he says, Let no one disqualify you in insisting on a false humility, the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Now, New Testament scholars are not sure what this worship of angels look like, but they are all uh, agree, they are all in agreement that most likely there were some Jewish Christians who were giving angels more weight than necessary. More weight than necessary. So let's dive into verses 4 through 14. We have seven Old Testament quotes here. Seven. Interesting, in, in English today, if we're going to emphasize something, we put it in bold print. Italicize it, right? We, we do that today. <laughs> they didn't do that in the Old Testament. Often they would just repeat themselves or build one argument on top of another. And that's what we have here. Seven, seven quotes. The author is making a point. <laughs> the author is saying, hey, listen up. This is important. Again, one atop top of the other for his readers. And again, mostly a Jewish uh, Jewish context here. And so what do we have? What is he saying? Jesus receives a name far above uh, all other creatures. He's called Son, verse 4 and 5. A name of privilege and status. In verse 6, we have that word firstborn. And, and just a side note here, in Greek, and the thought here, especially here too, and Colossians 1, verse 15, that word is used. It doesn't refer to birth or, you know, a biological birth. It, it refers to prominence, preeminence, to superiority, to privilege, to status, first in importance. That's the idea behind that word. He is royalty, a king. He is the king. Remarkable phrase there, the king. Angels do not receive this title, verse 6, verse 8, verse 11, verse 13. He is to be worshipped, not angels, verse 6. He is the creator of the universe, verses 10 through 12. The Son represents mankind, and all creation will be subject to him, not to angels. We find that in chapter 2, verse 5 through 9, and Ryan will touch on that next week. But one further observation, it's very interesting as we look at these, these quotes here, is that, is that these Old Testament quotes that were referred to God the Father are now <laughs> applied to Jesus. The author gives Jesus full deity, this is very, very profound. The early church, theologically, the early church, when it was wrestling with the Trinity, one God, three persons, 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This text, Hebrews, very foundational, one text of many, but very foundational in your thinking. Again, Old Testament texts that applied to God the Father are now applied to God the Son, to God himself. In the Old Testament, it's very clear, only God the Father is to be worshipped. Who is worshipped here? God the Son, God himself. And so uh, the, 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 the early church and the Christian church found themselves saying, yes, the Son is God himself, the second person of the Trinity. Now putting this all together, what do we have? These verses, 4 through 14. Jesus is superior to angels in worth and substance. He is God himself. Jesus is superior to angels in status. He is the creator and king of the universe. He's to be worshipped. He's to be worshipped. Now then, I'm, I'm sure some of you are saying, well, where, where, where do angels come into play for us? Where are they? What about today? Well, we have an answer in our text. Verse 7, we read, He makes his angels winds and his servants a flame of fire. Servants. In verse 14 we read, Are they the angels and not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? They are servants, ministering spirits. They have an honorable place. An honorable place is to serve God's purposes. A few examples in the Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, an angel appeared to Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah, Genesis 12. There's so many texts here, so many places to go. I'll just, I'll just read a number of these. We, we, we don't need to go back in the Old Testament. An angel appeared to Moses in the flaming bush, Exodus 3. In Daniel, in Daniel God spared Daniel by sending an angel by shutting the mouths of the lions in the lion's den. In Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Beautiful verse, Psalm 34, verse 7. In the New Testament, an angel appeared appeared to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist in Luke 1. Also in Luke 1, an angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary and foretold her that she would give birth to Jesus. A host of angels appeared to the shepherds the night Jesus was born. In Mark chapter 1, verse 13, angels ministered to Jesus after he was tempted in the desert for 40 days. Interesting enough, in Easter Sunday, angels appeared, <laughs> appeared um, at the tomb of the risen Jesus. In Luke chapter 15, we read that angels, the angels of God, have a celebration party. A great party for every believer, every sinner that comes to salvation. In Acts 12, an angel released Peter from prison. In Hebrews 13, 1, we read when we show hospitality to strangers. A very interesting verse here. It says, some have entertained angels unawares. And then in Revelations chapter 1, verse 1, we read, an angel gives John the message of Revelation. Scripture is very clear. Scriptures, 
excuse me, angels serve believers. Jesus Christ reigns, angels serve. They are sent out for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. So what are we to make of all this? What are we to do here now? First of all, I think Christians are to have a very healthy view of angels, a very healthy view. They are God's servants. I grew up in a Christian tradition that we really didn't talk about angels. We didn't really mention them. Now, it didn't mean we didn't believe in them. A beautiful Christian home, we just didn't really talk about them. We didn't talk about them at all. And yet, so I, I, here, here, Hebrews 1, and this text this morning has been very, very uh, insightful for me personally. Honestly, it's been a good challenge for me to, to work through this. You know, where, where, where are angels in my, my thinking, in my walk with God? And so angels are indeed present and here for our good. I think that's good to know and it's good to believe. They are ministering spirits for our good. Now, I'm not sure what that always looks like, but we know from Scripture, all those different quotes from the old and new, that they are there for our good, to protect us, God's servants, to minister to his people. Again, Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him, and he delivers them. Secondly, in the spiritual world, one we do not see with our natural eyes, we have both good and evil angels, evil spirits. We read in Scripture that the devil is even called a fallen angel. Now, we're not to obsess or fixate uh, on them, but we do need a healthy view of them. And they are present, both good and evil spiritual beings Let's not be naive. They are there. There's a spiritual world here that we live in, and they are present. That being said, I believe angels are are not to be focused on or dwelt upon by Christians. Some Christian circles, it seems to me, give, give angels too much focus and too much credit. They are not to be addressed prayed to, we're not to pray to them, not to pray through them. We never, never read that in Scripture. They just appear, again, when I think of the, the, all the quotes from Scripture, and you can Google angels, New Testament, or look at them in concordance, you, you find that they just kind of appear. They even surprise the people that are there. Usually they're surprised. They were not expecting an angel, but there they are. What are we to do? Through and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to pray to Jesus, our our advocate, our intercessor, the author and perfecter of our faith. He sends his angels. They do his bidding, not ours. They get their orders from him, not ours. Not ours. And so, in many ways, angels are the -the behind-the-scenes workers. They're busy doing God's work in church and kingdom, but we don't really see them. I believe we we should know and acknowledge them. We can do that. But we thank God for them. We, We address God, and we thank God for them, for sending them to us. The spotlight is always on God. 
The spotlight's over there. Never on them, which is very interesting as we look at Scripture, and it's really good to remember. And so I find it very interesting, our culture today, our, our culture's fixation on angels. This past week, I googled angels in movies. And um, 52, I found one site, 52 movies were cited from, from um, 1935 and on. Interesting. And so I realized spirituality is in. Forty years ago, it was not so, a little bit, but not so. But now it's vogue and rage, spirituality, both the good and the bad. It's there. It's around us. And we see it in the movies all the time. The dark elements of the spiritual world, just entertainment. And and there's money to be made, and Hollywood knows that. And they know our culture. So it's interesting. Now, now I know and we know that, that in some of these movies there's a good moral teaching and principle. I understand that. I gather that. At the same time, I'm not seeing people running to Jesus after they see these movies or these programs. Just an observation. And this leads us to another thought, and, and this is very important to me. When we, when, when we feel spiritually discouraged spiritually dissatisfied with what we have, where, where do we run to? Where do we go today for us? When, when, we're, when we become spiritually dissatisfied with our walk with God, um, with the Christian life, or our, our church family, what do we do? What do we do? The, the Jewish Christians in the early church, they were being pressured to seek out angels, to pray to them, to seek out their advice. And sometimes today we, we forget this culture there in the early church. Jewish settlements and pockets were very, very strong. And Jewish Christians in the early church had a very tough road to walk the Christian faith. Very difficult. They were encouraged to seek out and play with the wrappings, the paper, the bows of the Old Testament instead of the gift of Jesus himself. Well, what about us today again? What are some people, those supposedly wise Bible teachers saying today, what are they advising us? Some of them. Some of them will say, It's Old Testament dietary laws one needs to keep. You do these. You keep that dietary law of the Old Testament, then you're really spiritual. Perhaps you've heard that. Or they'll say, it's Old Testament Jewish dress and customs and tradition one needs to keep. And we want to say, hmm, really? Some of these groups offshoots, offshoots, Jewish offshoots today. And again, some, not all. My, they're beautiful, beautiful Jewish Christian people today. Some offshoots, some, seem to to claim Jesus as Lord, and yet, and yet it seems, they, they insist that you become Jewish in custom, in tradition, and in practice as they see it, and as they practice it. And in the end, some of these groups become more Jewish than Christian. 
It's remarkable to me. Sometimes you'll, you can hear an Old Testament text and, and Jesus is never mentioned. It's as if they were speaking to a Jewish audience. And so I, I want to be very careful here. I'm not disrespecting Jewish culture or Christians. Not at all. We, we want Jewish people to come to saving faith in Christ. And, and we know many Jewish people who come to Christ, they, they keep many of their traditions and customs perfectly fine. What we're saying here, and what the author is saying here, and Paul in Galatians and Romans says, is that one does not need to become Jewish to become Christian. And so we need to be careful today when we hear uh, some of these speak, uh, people speaking to us. Just a little caution here. Some say it's law over grace. Some say it's priests and saints over Jesus. Some insist on observing some obscure Old Testament text instead of the clear teachings of Scripture. And so, again, the conclusion. Some teachers today insist that you play with the paper instead of seeking out Jesus, the gift. Now the law, the temple, the tabernacle, the prophets, they have their place. And please understand, the metaphor breaks down a little bit. I'm not saying throughout the Old Testament, please hear me. I'm not saying throw it out, not at all. The law, the temple, the angels, the prophets, they have their place. But now, the writer saying to his audience, we have Jesus, the gift. Focus on Jesus. Run to Jesus. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, Ryan mentioned this last week. I really think in many ways that this text in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, is one of the main applications of this letter. I think every time we preach verses, chapters 1 through 10, chapters 1 through 11, we can apply this text. What does it say? The author says this. He says, run. Run to Jesus. Run. Run the Christian race. Journey with perseverance. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not on angels, when the going gets tough, when you're dissatisfied, when you're discouraged. Don't focus on angels. Don't pray to angels. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. And so these words, author and perfecter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, very, very important here. Jesus, the author of our salvation, foundation. Uh, he, one perfect sacrifice, gave the one perfect sacrifice for, for sin, all sufficient that sacrifice, all-sufficient. He's also the perfecter, though. That word perfecter means finisher. He's the finisher of our salvation. He needs, he needs no supplement, no addition, no add-ons. He will see us through. The perfecter, the finisher. Again, there's, there's no one his equal. He is the author of salvation, but also the finisher. And that's, that's really important for us to see. When it comes to our sanctification, when it comes to our growing in faith and maturity in Christ Jesus, 
Jesus is our all in all. He's sufficient. He is enough. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus plus nothing. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author says. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So brothers and sisters in Christ, when you're spiritually dissatisfied, where do you turn or what do you run to? What idol or false security are you tempted to lean on or to embrace? The Old Testament has its place. It's scripture. We don't throw it away. However, the gift has come when it comes to our security and our faith and, 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 and keeping our faith fresh and alive. The spotlight is now on Jesus. We run to him We run to him as he's revealed in scripture. We seek his face. The better, the better has come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we we thank you again for your provision. And dear Lord, we thank you for, for your angels ministering spirits. Father God, we we admit that that so often we can go through a day, a week, a month, who knows how long, that we're, we're not even consciously aware of how you send your ministering spirits as your messengers for our good, to protect us, lead us, to guide us, to, 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 to show us the way when we're not even aware of it. And so we want to thank you for that, dear Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we also admit today and for the church today that this idea of angels, Hebrews 1, all these verses, a little bit far removed from us. It's not as if we live in a world today that's, that's, that's worshiping angels. And in the church today, it doesn't seem to be a problem that we're worshiping angels but, but where do we go to when the going gets tough? What do we run to? Are you sufficient, dear Lord Jesus? Are you sufficient? Or is it you plus something else? And we put our hope and our dreams in something else instead of you. And so, Lord, is a good reminder for us Again, even today, to fix our eyes in Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. Thank you, dear Lord, going before us and now leading and guiding us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit leading and guiding and empowering us to live the Christian faith. Oh, Father, help us to fix our eyes on you. No matter where we are, no matter where we find ourselves, may we fix our eyes on you. Dear Lord, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.